open up our scriptures again to Genesis. Tonight we're Genesis chapter 29. While you're turning, again, express how appreciative I am to be here this these last two days. I enjoyed the, the fellowship. I appreciate the fellowship of God's people. I've enjoyed the meal. Thank all those that labored and made that possible and uh, all the things to make the stay pleasant. And uh, I appreciate the church and uh, God's people. A lot of strange people in the family of God, but uh, you know, I'm glad that, to be a part of the family of the Lord. Amen. Brother McBride mentioned about no regrets, no sad stories, and how true that we all could say that, isn't it? Yeah. Serving the Lord is, is the best life to have. The only life really to live is for the Lord. The rest is just existence. The Lord said that it came that we may have life and more abundantly. Thank God for that. Well, we're going to look in Genesis 29. And I want us to look how the whole uh, part of the chapter from verse 1 down to our text verse is really a, a lot of what uh, tells the story. But for time's sake, I'm just going to read uh, there in verse number 23. And we'll read down uh, the free verses. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went into her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Zilpha his maid, for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Now, this is Jacob. Jacob has left home. In verse number one, he enters into the land of his mother's nativity. And he's left home because of deception and trickery. Because he stole the blessing from Esau and deceived Isaac. And his mother says to Isaac, her husband, um, you know, Esau married these girls around here and they're really a burden to us. Let's send Jacob off to find a good wife. And she did that because Esau was going to, uh, he hated Jacob. He was envious and angry at Jacob. So that's what Jacob does. He leaves and he goes to Rebekah's home place and he comes to the well and he asks those citizens of that area if they knew of Laban. And they said, why, sure, and here's his people coming then, uh, now with the sheep. And, and Jacob sees Rachel and it is love at first sight, isn't it? He embraces her and kisses her and goes to Laban 
and they're happy to see Jacob. The last time they knew anything about uh, Rebecca, she was just taken away at her own free will, going to meet Isaac. And uh, now here is a grown man, her son, and they were, they were excited to see uh, Rebecca's son, Jacob. And uh, little did Jacob know when he met Laban that he had met his match. He had met one that was more devious than he was. And uh, the truth of the matter is Jacob's deception came from his mother's side of the family. And he didn't know that. Being raised away from his mother's people, he didn't know. But Laban definitely was a, uh, a great competitor for Jacob. And you know, we're not going to talk much on that, but I'll say that God has a way putting people in our lives to keep us in the place we need to be. He knows a way to knock the props out from under us or keep us in seclusion because it's best for us to be that way. And he sends Jacob to Laban. Sure enough, after a month goes by, Jake, Laban sees Jacob there and he says, uh, why don't you stay around and uh, tell me what it'll cost to have you to stay? And Jacob says, for seven years, uh, I'll work if you'll give me Rachel. If you'll give me Rachel to be my wife. And Laban thought that was a good bargain. Seven years, Jacob works, and then he gives his daughter to Jacob. So sure enough, he does. He works for seven years. And the scripture says it seemed like to him just a few days. And uh, he worked for Rachel for seven years, and it didn't bother him a bit. And uh, some of us can't even work, clean out the garage without dying. But he worked for Rachel for seven years, and it didn't bother him in the least. And then we come to the wedding. Jacob's going to get his bride. And uh, they have their ceremony. They do their traditional deal there and it's time for the bride and groom to depart and Laban sneaks Rachel away and uh, Jacob goes with Leah and he doesn't know it but in the morning he wakes up and he finds out he's married the wrong woman didn't take him long to figure that one out <laughs> It takes a little longer for some people, but it didn't take him very long. He's married the wrong woman. And this here is what we call the morning of disappointment. Now, there's a lot to be said about Jacob and reaping what you sow. A lot to be said about that. But I want us to focus on this perspective about Jacob and his disappointment. Disappointment means this, defeat or failure of expectation or hope or wish or desire or intention, a miscarriage of design or plan. And Jacob that morning when he looked at his wife thinking it would be one person and it was another, he was highly, extremely Disappointed. I'm going to give you five quick things tonight about disappointments. I want you to notice number one, disappointments or frustrations from disappointments. 
Disappointments are frustrating. What makes them frustrating? Number one, they're, they're, they're frustrating because disappointments are unplanned. No one plans to be disappointed. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us what Jacob did, but thinking as a man would think, Jacob undoubtedly, it insinuates it, that Jacob worked for seven years, but they seemed like just a small amount of time. And that, that apprehension, that anticipation, that joy for working for Rachel, it just made time fly by. And, and I would say that as Jacob was laboring for Rachel, he was anticipating and planning what it would be like to be married. He had plans, I would assume that he had plans of what it would be like when he and his wife, he would get up in the morning and she would uh, sit there with him at the breakfast table and they would meet, uh, meet and enjoy that morning before he goes out to the fields. And he would think about coming in in the, the late day, in the heat of the day, and she'd have him something to refresh him. He had envisioned what it would be like to go out, out on the, in the field in the evening after he worked and watch the sun set together. He'd envisioned what it would be like, I would presume, what it, to have their first child. He and her is a, a couple, and they're, they're, they raised that child together and watch that child as they begin to develop. All of those plans that Jacob had, but that morning when he woke up, and it wasn't Rachel. Those plans were down the drain. Those plans were disrupted. Those plans were done away with. Disappointments are frustrating because they're not planned. You don't plan to lose your health in old age. You don't plan to lose your wealth because of something unforeseen. You don't plan, listen friend, you don't plan for the church to be disrupted and divided. You don't just, I, I look at children, and I'm still a young man, but I think about children. You're bouncing that baby on your knee. You never plan to go down to the jailhouse and look through the prison bars of that little child. You stand here and say your vows together, and, and then you never plan to, to have a, a, a home that's broken up and dysfunctional. All of our plans typically are, are sunny days and bright days and pleasant days. And when disappointments come, they bring frustration because disappointments are unplanned. But then secondly, disappointments are uncontrollable. I understand that there's some things we do that we bring our own demise, but in the context here, it wasn't anything that Jacob did wrong. Jacob says to Laban in verse 25, he, he says, What is it thou hast done unto me? What have you done to me? I've done everything right. I mean, surprisingly, Jacob hasn't cheated. Uncharacteristic of Jacob, he's been, from what we gather, been faithful. He's worked as he should have worked. He's done what he should have done. He's honored his word. He's been faithful. He was, he was willing to wait. He never snuck around on the side. He did everything that he said he would do. But then when it comes for him to get what we would say was rightfully his, what he deserved, he didn't get.
what he deserved as far as the agreement was concerned. But Jacob got the raw end of the deal. It wasn't what it was supposed to be, even though he was faithful, even though he did what was right. Sometimes disappointments in life happen because of our own mistakes. However, there are some things in life that disappointments come that we've been faithful. We've done what we should have done. We've been obedient. We, we, we've read our Bible. We were faithful in the church. We gave as we should give. We witnessed as we should give. We treated people like we should have been treated. We were obedient. We were doing as we should have done. But disappointments come and there's nothing we can do about it. Uncontrollable. Now, I don't know how you are, but I kind of like to have my hands on things. Kind of like to have some kind of control over it. But I tell you, you can't control disappointments. Uncontrollable. But I'll tell you thirdly, what makes disappointments frustrating is they're unattractive. The Word of God tells us about Rachel and Leah. It says that Laban had two daughters in verse 16. The elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but, see that word? Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, if we were to put that in modern-day English, Georgia anyway, we would say it this way. Rachel was beautiful, and Leah was nice. It's real Say, does your sister look like you? Oh, she's got a great personality. <laughs> she's just good with people. She wasn't attractive. Now, beauty's not as big a deal as you may think it is, young ladies. Matter of fact, it was Joseph's physique that got Potiphar's wife to lusting. Maybe God made you unattractive for your own protection. He may love you better than he does the beauty queen. But there's nothing attractive about disappointments. Nothing beautiful about them. Nobody is so glad that things just fell apart. I tell you, how's your day going? Man, it's been great. Everything I planned, everything just went bellied up. I mean, nothing good's happened today. It's just been a great day. No, there's nothing pretty about that. I mean, a man in his right mind, he, he wants things to go well. A man, that ha a man that has some sanity about him, he, he wants things to be pleasant. I tell you, there's nothing pretty about visiting the graveyard prematurely. There's nothing pretty about losing your income unexpectedly. There's nothing pretty about a church being dysfunctional when things were going so well. I mean, frustrations and disappointment is they're unattractive. But then I want you to notice, secondly, the, notice the friction in disappointments. Jacob and Laban, there's friction between Jacob and Laban. 
Now, up until this time, for seven years, there's no illusion, there's no documentation of there being any controversy between Jacob and Laban. As far as we see, it's been pleasant. But after this event, Jacob seems to always be looking over his shoulder. And Laban seems to always think that Jacob is cheating. There's friction between Jacob and Laban. But then there's friction between Rachel and Leah. We don't know how Rachel and Leah, uh, uh, Rachel and Leah got along before this. But after this event, we are alluded to that didn't seem to be like there was very pleasant closeness in that relationship. One seemed to be you know, going against the other. And then there's even friction between Jacob and Rachel. Leah has children, and Rachel's not having children. And she says to Jacob, give me children. And the word of God said his anger was kindled against Rachel. But it goes beyond just these people. It goes to the next generation. If there's ever a home in the Old Testament where there's friction amongst the children, it's Joseph and his brother. They hated Joseph. And the more he tried to be obedient to the Lord, they hated him more about it. I mean, from this event stems some of the biggest frictions out of the relationship. I'm going to tell you, if you trace it, trace it all back, it comes from this morning of disappointment. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you, there's disappointments in life. Everybody's got disappointments. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the truth of the matter is our response to those disappointments. You see, our response to those disappointments in the negative, it brings about resentment. It brings about rebellion. It brings about bitterness and hatred. That mindset that uh, all we do is dwell on those disappointments. How that it didn't happen to them. Why did it have to happen to me? I, I was doing what was right. Why did this have to fall my life? Uh, you know, I tell you what, uh, if, if God's going to let this happen to me, then I tell you uh, this, that, and the other. Just those frictions that come when we respond the wrong way towards disappointments. If we look at them as something that we didn't deserve, if we look at them as something that we should have gotten better, it's not going to help any, anyone that looks at disappointments in that mindset. It'll bring about friction. But then thirdly, I want you to notice facts about disappointments. What's the fact about it? We all have them. Everybody has disappointments. Look at your book here. Laban was disappointed. Laban was disappointed because Jacob got the best. Jacob took all of his grandchildren, took his two daughters, and had the best of the cattle and had everything. His, his son said to Laban, this guy's robbing us blind. We're not going to have a dollar in our pocket if he stays around. He's took it all. Laban was disappointed. Leah was disappointed. Leah was disappointed because she felt like she was never loved. She had a son, and she said, he'll love me now. 
She had another two sons and said, he'll definitely love me now. Then she had a couple more and she said, now I know he's going to love me. She never felt loved. Rachel was disappointed. Though she was beautiful, though she knew she was loved and cared for by Jacob. She was disappointed because she could not have children. I'm saying everyone in this event, in this portion of scripture, they face disappointments. And I'll tell you one of the, one of the tricks of the devil, one of the, the prones of the flesh is to tell us we're the only one experiencing that. Everybody else's world is pleasant. Everybody else's family is ideal. Everybody else's parents are great. Everybody else's home is just joyful. But boy, down at my house, it's not going good at all. Nobody knows the problems that I have. I tell you, that man's wife, if my wife was like her, boy, I'd have it made. That woman's husband, if my husband wasn't like he is and more like him, we'd have a happy home. Now, don't tell me tonight the devil don't do that. Oh, yes. He'll, he'll put you in a hole. He'll, he'll take you and lock you up in the closet and say, hey, sit in this place and have nothing but a pity party. Sit right here and know that it's all only you. You're the only one suffering. Nobody else had to do the things that you've done. Nobody else has to suffer like you suffer, and he wants you to feel isolated. You're the only one. I'm going to tell you tonight, that's hogwash. That's not biblical. That's, and if that's what you think, if that's what goes on in your heart, I'm going to tell you that's not from God. You're not the only one. Everybody's been disappointed. You're not the only mother that's had hard times. You're not the only father that struggled. You're not the only teenager that don't seem like they're not understood. Everybody faces it. Everybody. Fourthly, notice the faith during disappointments. Notice Jacob here as he is married to Leah now. Would you notice what he does with this disappointment? He embraces it. That word embrace means to take, to accept. When Jacob rolled over in the bed that morning and found out he had been cheated to, lied to, done wrong, no doubt he had a lot of emotions going through his mind. And this isn't what he wanted. This isn't what he asked for. This is not what he expected. We say it this way, this isn't what he signed up for. Now what he could have done, he could have looked at Leah and said, Leah, you know good and well, I didn't want you. You're not the reason I worked for seven years. But you know, I'm stuck with you. But you're not going to be my wife. And I'm not going to be your husband. I've got to work seven more years for Rachel, and then I'll have a wife. But for these next seven years, you can just exist, and I'm just going to exist, and we're going to be two different people. He didn't do that. 
But he took Leah and he embraced what he was given, even though he didn't want it. Now, I'll tell you what's strange about that. Years later, Rachel dies, giving birth to Benjamin. We know that. But you know, nowhere in the scripture does it ever tell us when Leah died. We don't know when she died. But one of the last things that Jacob said to his sons is this. Don't bury me in Egypt, but take me and bury me with Leah. Take me where Leah's at and lay me beside Leah. Not what he wanted at the beginning, but he come to accept it. He didn't accept it begrudgingly. He didn't close his eyes every time he kissed her. He didn't tell her that he didn't want her. He embraced it. And do you know tonight, if you kick and scream about what God brings in your life and don't embrace it, you're sitting in neutral. You're not going anywhere. You got your foot on the gas in neutral. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to blow up. Embrace it. But then I want you to notice fifthly, and this is the conclusion, the fruit that comes from disappointment. Now Jacob woke up that morning. What a surprise. I don't know if he said, Rachel, is that you with your makeup off? Did you not put your teeth in? Are they in the fridge with Brother Billy Kelly fixing the... I mean, this ain't ain't what... Oh, no, what happened? Leah. But you know the Scripture says this. You know the Scripture. We just went through the time of year where we've quoted it. But thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah... For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. You see, that morning, if you would have came into Jacob's tent before he went storming out to find Laban, said, no, Jacob, don't be upset because out of this event, the Messiah is coming. I mean... Leah and you are going to have a son named Judah, and Judah is going to be the lineage in which Christ will come. Don't be upset. This is, this is great. This is a blessing. God's going to use this to save the world. I don't think he would have said, all right, you're right. I, I, I see that. Oh, no. Jacob, listen, beloved. Jacob never saw the fruit if you will, the great fruit from this disappointment. But thousands of years down the road, if you will, from this event that we find here, God brought the Messiah to this world through this disappointment. You know, the truth of the matter is, we're all disappointments. We're all disappointments. 
I mean, I've disappointed somebody. Somebody's disappointed me. You've been a disappointment time and time again. And you know, the most important thing is we've all disappointed God. But what did the Lord do? Did he throw us out? Did he say that's it? No, by the good grace of God, he loved us and cared for us and helped us and forgave us and used us again and again and again. What I'm saying to you, my dear friend, there are no disappointments in God's providence. Thank God tonight that we can trust his hand when our world is upside down, when our life is not what we want it to be. If we'll just take what God has given us and even if we got it by a a wrong end or something we've done wrong, if we'll confess that and get it right to God and say, Lord, I've done some things I shouldn't have done, but Lord, I'm bringing it to you. I want you to take the mess that I've made and make a miracle, do something with my life. I'm saying to you, tonight God can bring fruit out of things that we thought was barren in our life. Our life. I remember when my oldest brother, I guess if I didn't have brothers, I wouldn't have no stories. My oldest brother, he, he and his wife, his first wife got married right out of, they were at Tabernacle there in Greenville and got married and still in Bible school, had a couple of children, and then took the church where he's still pastoring today. And the long story short, his wife, before she was 40, tragically, uh, unexpectedly, uh, passed away. And uh, I remember at the funeral when we went to the graveside uh, that um, his, his youngest was about six or seven. We was at that graveside there and under the tent. Most of the people had left and they began to lower uh, uh, my sister-in-law at the time into the grave. Her youngest daughter was holding on to the tent pole crying for her mother. And it was, it was, it was hard for them. But through the process of time, uh, I met a lady, matter of fact, uh, uh, from West Virginia and uh, found her and long and short her and my brother been married for, for a little over 10 years now. And looking back at it, God had kept her preserved in the hollers of West Virginia for him. If you would have went to that graveside that, that day and said, oh, don't worry about it. I mean, you don't need to weep over all that. I tell you, man, a couple of years you're going to marry this lady and look at that little girl and, and say, you're going to have a mother and she loves her stepmother and her parents are going to be your grandparents and she considers them that. Oh, there's no need for all that. No, they wouldn't understood. But I tell you what, by the grace of God, they did. They kept going forward. And God took a disappointment and brought fruit into their life. And I'm going to tell you tonight that God's ways are not mistakes, but they're ways in which He makes miracles. What you and I see is trouble. is how He strengthens 
his servants. And Jacob found out that it really wasn't a disappointment at all. That God was bringing fruit from disappointments. Will you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray you'd help. You know the need those that are here. Lord, if there's one that's lost, unsaved, I pray, Lord, they realize the, the cross of Calvary was there for their sin. They'll come and trust you. You'll save them. Help that one that may be going through troubles be with the heart, the burdens, as only you can. We thank you, Lord, tonight, though we've disappointed you, we've never been disappointed in you. But you do all things well. We're grateful tonight for your love and concern for us. We pray that you would help us in our hearts minds might be stayed upon thee and trust in you. We ask it in Christ's name.